dangerous drugs. There might be better options. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about how there may be some medications that are no longer the best choice for many conditions, maybe even harmful. And we always like to start off our show by thanking the company that supports our program. We'd like to say thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are lower even than the big box retail stores and discount warehouses. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. And Dr. Forrest, of course, is a board-certified family physician, and often Dr. Forrest people want uh, more information after hearing one of the topics that we have discussed here. Uh, how might they be able to reach out to you, uh, get more information about a topic, or find out about your uh, family practice in Apex? Well, if listeners want to send us some general non-emergent questions and possibly have that question answered on the show, uh, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com. They can also send an email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com uh, and include your contact information in that. So we can uh, thank you for that question. Uh, and if they'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, they can go to ACC, that's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And after the show, if they miss the show or if they only caught part of it and are interested in the topic that week, they can listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com, and we will provide links to that on our landing page at accesshealthradio.com. Well, Dr. Forrest, you know, people really trust their physician. So most people assume that if a medical professional recommends or prescribes a medication, well, then that's absolutely necessary and it's the best choice for them. But from what I understand, that's not always the case. Well, unfortunately, the safest medications are not always the ones that get recommended. Um, there have been a lot of changes over the last 10 years in medicine, and one of those that is instead of physicians and patients making those decisions about what medication is best for them, often the financial considerations or the preferences of an insurance company or Medicare may have a huge impact on the, those decisions about what medications are used. And there have been many advances in medical treatments with safer and more effective medications over the last few years, but in many cases, they are at a higher expense than some of those, and that's made people pick some of the more dangerous drugs. You know, the litmus test I like to use is this. Um, I don't recommend any medication for a patient that I would not be willing for a family member of mine or myself to take if they were under the same circumstances. So if a medication is not something I'd recommend for my own family, then I typically don't recommend it for patients. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some examples of medications that might be harmful or that maybe have safer alternatives? Well, we're going to discuss just some of the most common medications that may have better alternatives today, and I will give this list, and then we're going to go into some discussion on each one of those uh, and also give some alternatives to listeners. So the list includes the medication digoxin, which is also sometimes known as lenoxin, uh, coumadin, which sometimes goes by the name warfarin, atenolol, which also goes by tenormin, uh, and then there's three diabetes drugs that are in the same family. One is called glipizide, one is called gliburide, and the other is called glimipride. Um, and all those last three are in a class of drugs called sulfonylureas. 
Um, and it's interesting that most of these drugs has all have also been used commercially as poisons uh, to kill rats or mice, and some have been able even used in agriculture to kill plants. And these are medications. That's right. That's right. (laughs) We'll come back to that thought in a minute. But right now, it's time for our Access Health Tip of the Week. Well, it's incredibly important that listeners understand that they should never stop or change one of their prescription medications without first discussing it with their own physician. Just stopping some medications can be dangerous and result in strokes and heart attacks if it's not properly done or if that medication is not traded for a different alternative. So it is important that any listener understand that they should not alter their own medication regimen unless they have consulted their own healthcare provider about that. All right. Well, it is scary, though, that some of these drugs you just mentioned used to be used as commercial poisons. Now, when we come back, Dr. Forrest goes into more detail on the medications he's mentioned, and he'll give you some suggestions for alternatives to talk with your physician about. Stay right here. This is Access Health Radio. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. I'm Mike Davis, and I'm anxious to hear as I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners are too, Doc, about these dangerous medications and some of the alternatives that are available. Well, first, let's talk about digoxin. Uh, this drug was first developed in the 1930s. And some people may know it actually comes from a poisonous plant called foxglove. And it's been used for years to treat heart arrhythmias, including atrial fibrillation. However, recent studies have shown that a person taking digoxin, their risk of premature death increases by 21%. Even worse than that, if you were taking the digoxin with the reason being an irregular heartbeat, you actually had a 29% increased risk of dying early. And patients also sometimes take it for heart failure. And the patients that took it for heart failure were also seen to have a significant increase in early death. Well, as far as I'm concerned, early death is a bad side effect. Uh, And so there are lots of alternatives that are safer. And some physicians will use a class of medications called calcium channel blockers like diltiazem, Others use medications like beta blockers to control the same symptoms that uh, digoxin is meant for. But the bottom line is there are safer and more modern choices, even some of those medications that are also generic and fairly inexpensive that can be used to treat the same conditions. The other downside to digoxin is that because it can be so toxic, most patients will have to get their blood uh, monitored and tested for the digoxin level to make sure it doesn't get into those dangerous levels. And that means, you know, more trips and more blood draws and things like that going in just to get that level checked to make sure it's not in that toxic range. I would agree with you. I'm not a medical professional. I don't play a doctor on the radio, but I would agree with you that early death is kind of a negative side effect. (laughs) It can be. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Coumadin, or some people call it Warfarin as well. I've known lots of people over the years that have taken that medication. They use it as a blood thinner. In fact, uh, my dad used to take that. Are there some better options available now? Yes. uh, Coumadin, or more commonly some people known as Warfarin, Uh, has been very widely prescribed drug over the years. And people who have been on it 
um, have probably been cautioned by their physician about eating foods that are high in vitamin K. And those are leafy greens like spinach and things like that uh, because they can interfere with the medication and make it not work. And it's because that drug actually works by affecting that vitamin K and your ability to clot your blood. But what many people may not know is that this drug is actually a common, uh, you know, rodenticide uh, used as mouse or rat poison for years and years. And patients who have taken it know that they have to get their blood checked often just to make sure it's in the safe range. Now, that's part of the problem is that physicians don't make a profit on selling Coumadin, but many clinics make a lot of revenue on the blood testing to monitor Coumadin. There are even entire clinics that are focused on just testing and monitoring for this medication. Therefore, you have to be concerned some of those clinics might be reluctant to change to other newer medications that don't require testing, partially due to a potential loss of income. And the newer medications, they're called NOACs, uh, which is just basically stands for a new type of anticoagulant. But they've been shown by the FTA to be safer than Coumadin in terms of risk for bleeding, shown to be more effective in many cases in terms of preventing strokes or clots. And to my way of thinking, if we've got a medication that's been proven to be safer and more effective than rat poison, maybe those are better choices for most people. And, you know, personally, I have not prescribed Coumadin in years. Um, and some examples of the newer alternatives uh, people may have heard of, but some of the newer drugs that have replaced Coumadin are drugs like Eliquis, Xarelto, and Pradaxa. Those are all in that new class. And for most patients that need an anticoagulant, those are going to be a better choice. Well, Dr. Forrest, sign me up among those who would rather take something other than rat poison. Uh, <laughs> are there some other medications we need to be aware of? Uh, yes. Uh, one that's incredibly common is a beta blocker. And lots of people take beta blockers. Uh, but this one in particular is called atenolol or tenormin. And it's been used for years to control blood pressure, uh, to slow heart rate, and also for uh, heart failure. So first, let me say that all beta blockers are not bad, okay? In fact, some of them are very helpful and very safe. Atenolol, though, has been studied as compared to similar medications and found to increase patients' risk of stroke by as much as 26%. And our goal is to decrease your risk for a stroke and heart attack, definitely not to make that worse. And some people have tried to understand why atenolol specifically might cause that problem. And there's one theory out there that is, you know, although atenolol lowers your blood pressure, it appears to lower it in your arm, where, of course, we all get our blood pressure measured. But at the same time, it actually increases your blood pressure centrally. So your heart and your lungs and your brain may actually see a higher blood pressure than what we're measuring in the arm when you're taking atenolol. If you think about it, it's sort of like if you were outside and you get really cold, what your body will do is it'll shift the blood flow from your hands and your feet and send it to places that are warm, you know, the center part of your body. And that actually decreases blood pressure in your extremities. So that may be part of the reason that atenolol has this effect on strokes. So patients who take a significant dose of it will even tell you they feel like their hands and feet get cold uh, and they feel tired all the time. 
And there are just lots of better options for patients that are still uh, in that same class. So, for example, you know, people who have diabetes, if they need a beta blocker, uh, it's been shown in research they're better off on a type of beta blocker that helps open up that that those blood vessels in the in the uh, peripheral vasculature. And those would be medications like carvedilol or nabivolol. Um, and then also patients that have lung problems, like if you have emphysema or you have asthma, then you're a lot better off on a type of beta blocker called metoprolol or nabivolol. And it's because those particular beta blockers are selective, and what that means is they don't affect your breathing. Uh, the other types of beta blockers can potentially even uh, cause your airways to tighten up and do sort of the opposite of what those inhalers do. Uh, so you have to be cautious about that. So some patients uh, use this family of medication to help prevent migraines as well. And for those patients, you know, low doses of the beta blocker called propranolol might be a better option for them. This is Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. We're talking about potentially dangerous drugs today and their safer alternatives. Now, you just mentioned, Dr. Forrest, uh, diabetes medications. I understand there's a whole family of older diabetes medications that's not preferred anymore, but they used to be pretty commonly used. Can you tell us more about those? Yes, there is a, a family of diabetes medications. Uh, they're actually called sulfonylureas, and they were commonly used to, to treat type 2 diabetes, the type where people you know, don't have to take insulin, the type that develops in adulthood. And these drugs function by sort of squeezing out as much insulin as they could out of your pancreas. So if you can sort of visualize your pancreas as a sponge, it's like somebody grabbing it with both hands and wringing out every last drop of insulin. Um, and that's what it did to your pancreas, and your pancreas is the organ, of course, that makes insulin. Unfortunately, they were also um, it's also pretty tough on your pancreas, and it appears to make the cells in your pancreas called islet cells actually die off sooner, um, and then your body can't produce its own insulin at all anymore. The other issue with this class of medications is, uh, and that people know about, is called hypoglycemia. And this is something that's happened frequently on the sulfonylureas. And, you know, low blood sugar or hypoglycemia can be really dangerous. And these drugs actually have been used as herbicides or plant poisons. I know you do the farm report. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of these have actually been used commercially uh, for that purpose. Uh, and again, I'm not uh, crazy about medications that also work as commercial uh, poisons. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> use them on me. No, yeah. no. So uh, some common examples of sulfonylureas. So if people want to look at their bottles and see if any of these things are in there, some of the common examples are glipizide, gliburide, and glimipiride. And I would say that of that of those three, glimipiride is probably the safest option. But you know, these are just not medications I typically use anymore. Um, anything for diabetes that ends in IDE, ID, might mean you're taking one of these medications. Uh, and there are much better options now, including metformin, which is really the best option for most patients with type 2 diabetes. And it is so inexpensive that it's often even free at grocery store pharmacies like Publix. You know, other good options include the SGLT2s, the GLP1s, and the DPP4s. Now, I realize that that is a lot of alphabet soup uh, and may not mean a lot to listeners, but these are other oral medications that are safer than the sulfonylureas. The downside to these are they tend to be much more expensive, uh, and this is really the main reason that sometimes patients still get prescribed this older class 
because they are so cheap for patients and they're also cheap for insurance companies. So often they prefer that as the cheapest option. Uh, but I'll go back to what I said earlier, though, in terms of sort of how I judge if, if something's uh, something I want to prescribe. And I don't prescribe medications for patients that I would not feel comfortable prescribing or having my own family or myself taking. And this group of medications, I just really wouldn't feel comfortable with that anymore. I know how I'll remember that. I'll think of it as the Ides of March. And that was pretty foreboding as well. There you go. After the break, uh, we're going to summarize the key information uh, about potentially dangerous drugs. That's what we're talking about today. And our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week, straight ahead. He is Dr. Brian Forrest, board-certified family physician. I'm Mike Davis. This is Access Health Radio. And, Dr. Forrest, it's time for our Trivia of the Week. So, you know, digoxin is not the only poison that's been used as medicine. Many people may be very surprised to find out that arsenic has been used to treat some types of cancer. And there are compounds derived from snake venom and also from a poisonous lizard called the Gila Monster that have also been used for some blood pressure and diabetes drugs. So, you know, the next time uh, you're getting a blood pressure medicine or a diabetes medicine, you can ask if it came from snake venom or lizard spit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard of snake oils, and That's now right. I know. That's now right. I know. All right. Well, we have been talking about these dangerous drugs today, and they're safer alternatives. Dr. Forrest, what are some keys that you would like folks to take away from today's show? Well, first, remember, you should never stop a medication you've been prescribed on your own. Uh, stopping blood thinners or heart medication can be dangerous if not done properly or if not replaced with better alternatives. Always consult your own physician before you make any medication changes. Now, we've talked extensively about several medications that in the modern era may have better alternatives. Uh, but I will just briefly cover this list again um, and again, if you are taking of these medications, you should at least ask your physician uh, the question about if there are safer alternatives that might work for you. So again, the first one is digoxin, known as linoxin, uh, coumadin, also known as warfarin, atenolol, which goes by the other name to Norman, and then the ides, the glipizide, the gliburide, and the glimipride, uh, with the last three being for diabetes, and those are the sulfonylureas. So if you are taking any of those medications, it's worth just asking your physician, you know, hey, doc, is there is there a better choice for me at this point? Uh, and they may tell you that, you know, your insurance doesn't want to cover that. And that's the reason that they haven't prescribed it. Uh, but you've got to think about, you know, what's best for you and your family as well. All right. This, we've covered a lot of great information today, Dr. Forrest. And uh, once again, as we wrap up, just a reminder, if anybody has uh, questions or want more, more information, they can go to accesshealthradio.com, right? Yeah, they can go to uh, accesshealthradio.com. Uh, they can also send an email to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. They can certainly uh, check out our practice website at acchealth.com. Uh, or they can just check out uh, our website. And Or if they want to listen to a podcast after the show, you know, maybe they caught the tail end of this show, uh, they can go to wptf.com and they can listen there. 
So that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Uh, this concludes our show, and hopefully you'll be able to use this information uh, to be a more informed healthcare consumer. Our scripture this week is from Psalm 140, 1 through 3. Rescue me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who devise evil things in their hearts. They continually stir up wars. They sharpen their tongues as a serpent. Poison of a viper is under their lips. Thank you for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.